Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Technology Uncorked. My name is Jeff Quattromani, and this show is brought to you by Navman. Now, I'm very excited because I have their latest unit sitting in front of me. It's called the MyCam GPS, and this is that dash cam with the GPS unit built in. And I love this kind of device because it means that you can mount this to your windscreen. You'll get your navigation anywhere around Australia and New Zealand uh, without an internet connection. But at the same time, it will also be recording everything that the device is seeing in front of you. And if you have a look at carexpert.com.au, there's a Tesla article that I wrote where I compared a Navman dash cam to the inbuilt dash cam of the Tesla. And you'll see why it's so important still to have dash cams that you can buy off the shelf like these ones from Navman. The wide angle, the color, the colors that are produced the detail that you can see, such as number plates and things like that. But most importantly is also things like GPS tagging, knowing exactly where you were when a certain thing happened, all of those things, even capturing the audio whilst, while you're driving as well, because you don't know what you'll hear in the event of an accident that you need to reproduce that, that footage. The audio makes a big difference as well. And all of those things don't exist on those inbuilt Tesla dash cams. And it was really interesting to do that experiment, have a look at the footage, you'll see for yourself the biggest difference. And we also did a dash cam comparison uh, for carexpert.com.au where you'll also get to see uh, the Navman unit up against some of its competitors and you'll see some of the differences there and you know what the difference is between those very cheap ones that you do see in, uh, in those stores compared to what you'll get out of a unit like a Navman. Check out their latest model, the MyCam GPS. If you're planning any road trips, whether it's getting to your destination and recording that entire trip, uh, you will absolutely love this unit. It's it's so sexy compared to anything they've ever made. Uh, I'm very excited about what Navman's doing there. So do check it out. Navman.com.au. It's called the MyCam GPS. Uh, it retails for 369. And when you think about the fact that you've got that two-in-one kind of device and the smarts that they've now built into this unit, there's nothing you can do except be impressed. Anyway, have a look at it. Um, I'll be putting it in the car this weekend and we'll review it later on in a future episode. But uh, Let's get on with the show. I've got so much tech news to get through. I don't know if we'll get through it all. All right. Now, in front of me, I have a glass of the St. Hallett 2018 High Earth Syrah. Now, this is a premium bottle of wine. Now, I know you could be spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars on a bottle of wine. I know that exists. However, this bottle at a $60 price point to me is premium, and it's not something you're going to drink on any occasion. But tonight, it is a special occasion, and I'll talk about some of the reasons why that is later on in the show. But to give you a bit of an idea as to this kind of wine, it's a, it's a 2018. It actually isn't even on shelves in stores yet. They've sent this bottle to me. It comes out actually on my wedding anniversary um, in mid-November. But this is the sort of bottle of wine you will open on a special occasion. You will want to pair it with some with some meat. I'm hoping to pair it with a, with a steak later on, something nice from the barbecue. Some, some real beef behind this will really help it sing. Now, this has dark cherries. I'm getting a lot of pepper characters, just like you'd expect from a proper Barossa Shiraz. But this is an Eden Valley Shiraz. So slightly different, but slightly different, but an absolutely beautiful bottle of, of wine. Uh, this glass in front of me will not make it to the end of the show. I promise you, I'll probably have some long breaks in between new segments uh, to get through it. Now, that is something that you need to consider. However, let's consider the amount of news that I want to touch on this week, and I hopefully we'll be able to get through it all today. Uh, Ring has a drone for the indoors, something that you can have, patrol your home, 
and fly around the home with a camera built in. Uh, this is something that Ring is doing and we'll be able to see it in 2021. Uh, a new robotic vacuum, this time from Victor. I should have said mower. It's not a vacuum. Uh, this is a new robotic mower coming from Victor and it's their first and I can't wait to tell you a little bit about that. Uh, Telstra is bringing 5G to homes. Now we know about the 5G network. It's going to be available as an option for home broadband. There's a lot to discuss in that. Google had an event. Now, when Google have events, they announce a number of things. This time, we're going to talk about new phones. We're going to talk about a new smart speaker. And what I'm most excited about is a new Chromecast. I can't wait to tell you all the detail there. Lots to fill in, lots to discuss. If we have time for a review, I've got plenty of products around, which I'm dying to talk to you about as well. Now, let's get started with all of this news. Now, Ring have been in the game for a while around whether it's a doorbell or whether it's um, surveillance cameras and things like that. Now, when Amazon, who own Ring, held this event, um, they announced a whole bunch of other products as well. But when they announce a surveillance drone for your home, that's something we've got to talk about, guys. Here is a very small drone. I'm thinking about something the size of a dinner plate, but it's more of a square um, design. It sits inside a little box that it uses to charge. When it's sitting inside that box, the camera on the drone is not active. It's actually hidden. It's completely buried. But when it detects any kind of movement or sound in your home, it will fly to that space and it will have a look and with its camera, will record it. You'll be able to get notifications on your phone so that you can see what the drone is seeing. It literally is something out of Star Wars where these little flying drones would come up to people and take your order and stuff like that. It's just bizarre. It's, it's coming. This is a product that's coming in 2021. Uh, we're yet to find out when it will come to Australia, but uh, you know, US release date is in early 2021. A 350 US dollar product. Um, I think this is fascinating. And I think for a number of reasons, it's really interesting. First of all, I want to know how it knows that something's happening in your home. Um, where are the sensors? Is it literally listening for a noise and then it's just going to start flying in that direction? How do you make sure that it's not doing it all the time? I mean, I don't want this thing flying around my home when I'm there. Will it set off my home alarm because it normally detects motion? And will it detect that and set the alarm off? In which case, if the alarm is going off, I'm assuming this drone goes mental because there'd be noise coming from every direction. And the other thing I want to know is, do people need something like this? Does somebody want a, a drone to patrol their indoors so much? Do they have a cat or dog that needs to be followed by a drone? And is that really going to be good for your pet? It's a fascinating idea. The one example that I was thinking would be really useful for this is if you're wondering about something in your home and you've, you're away, you've gone traveling, whatever it is. Maybe you're thinking, have I left the oven on? I don't know, whatever it is. Well, you can hopefully connect to this drone, fly to your kitchen and check that. You can't turn the oven off if that's what you've done, but at least you could potentially look. And in the same instance, have I left the door open? Have I left the door unlocked? You could potentially fly this drone anywhere in the house and do that. Now, we have seen in the past, and I've spoken about this, robotic vacuums, uh, which can be remote controlled from anywhere, and that can be used to use the camera on the robotic vacuum to check these things as well. But the fact that this can potentially hear um, or detect movement and then fly to that spot is pretty cool as well. Uh, Ring do talk about the fact that you can actually map the interior of your home so it knows where to go and it's not going to be found just hovering in your walk-in robe at random times of the day. Um, this is just a really crazy idea. And I'd, I'd love to hear from you guys whether you think that you want a surveillance drone inside your home. Maybe a better on the outside and just keeps cutting laps around the outside of the home and sees what's going on. 
It's fascinating stuff. Uh, it's coming. This isn't this isn't concept. This is coming from Ring. A crazy idea. Now, a long time ago, we spoke to Husqvarna. Um, we had them on the show for an interview, and we spoke to them about their robotic mowers. Didn't really care much about their ride-ons and push mowers. as a tech show. And Victor, the guys who would probably hold the biggest name in Australia for mowing, uh, they have now got a robot lawnmower. And it looks just like a Husqvarna one, to be honest. I mean, it doesn't look like they've revolutionized design here. They've gone with the typical big wheel at the back, little guide wheels at the front. Um, it's electronic, uh, obviously, as you'd expect, and it follows a guide wire. So anybody who's interested in getting a robotic mower and doesn't want to get out there on a Saturday and cut their own lawns, um, you need to run a guide wire along the perimeter around any garden beds that you've got, any of those kinds of things to almost set a virtual barrier so that your mower is not driving into the rose bush. The, the idea with that to me is quite silly and annoying. It doesn't have the same intelligence that a robot vacuum has which can detect the floor that it's even on so it knows what suction to use. Why can't a mower detect when it's driven onto concrete compared to when it's on the grass? Um, it's surprising to me that there's such a disconnect between mowers and vacuums when effectively they're doing very similar things. Um, so anyway, the Victor still relies on a guide wire. The one thing that I do like about it is they've also added a bump sensor, which means that if it does um, bump into something, if you think about maybe the kids have left something on the lawn, um, Naturally, a robotic mower would probably run straight over it, but because there's no guide wire around it, right? But if there is something that's been left on there, I'm thinking swing sets, I'm thinking um, soccer balls, maybe even a shoe, whatever it is, if it bumps into something, it will just turn around and keep moving in a different direction. So that's a good thing that you're not going to have to worry too much about that kind of things getting run over. Dog toys, you know, those kind of things that do get left in the yard. So I think a Husqvarna will rip those up. It sounds like the Victor won't. Um, this is going to cost you $12.99. So it's not a cheap mower. Um, it is something that because it's electric, it does have a little charging base. And what I do like about these robot mowers is you have to start thinking about not the fact that you'll get it off to do your mowing on a Saturday. If it's robot, then you'll get it to do it at midday on a Tuesday when you're at work. And the other thing is our lawns grow quite quick in the summer. So you won't get the mower to do it once a week. You might get this mower going once every two days, once every three days, because again, it's doing it by itself. So why are you so concerned? And it has to change the way you think about mowing your lawns. It's, not, it's no longer a once a day, once a week thing. Um, it's no longer something you would do on weekends. Let it go and do its business during the week as much as it likes until your lawn is perfect. And that also, I have to, I have to say, it also stems down to people worry about the power of these mowers. And again, if it's mowing regularly and if you get it to mow every few days rather than once a week or once every two weeks, that it has less work to do, has less growth to worry about, meaning it does a really good job of just maintaining a cut rather than starting with highs and lows. You have to think about, think about robotic mowers in that way. This one they reckon is good for about 600 square meters um, and it does need to be charged after about an hour. So as it's been mowing its lawn, it's going to come back to home to recharge and potentially go back out again. So Really cool stuff. If you do have a bit of grass lying around and you're tired of mowing it yourself, uh, Victor has an option. I have never reviewed a robotic mower. And now that there are two strong competitors out of Husqvarna and Victor, I'm pretty tempted to get them side by side and then just get them to have mower wars in the middle of the yard. Interesting stuff. Now, some really interesting news from Telstra. And this is going to really be important for somebody who 
Maybe it doesn't have the good NBN that people have been wanting to have, or maybe you just don't have the NBN where you live. If that's the case, then 5G is a real alternative for your home internet. And Optus for a little while now have been offering a 5G home broadband solution. And if you live in an Optus 5G area, that could be, a, could be something you're already doing. Now, Telstra has finally gone and done the same. Now, they are going to be offering uh, 5G home broadband solutions for people. This is not just like hotspotting a smartphone. This is actually receiving a proper 5G modem that would go inside your home that would potentially also have Wi-Fi built in so that you're receiving 5G and broadcasting Wi-Fi for your devices to connect to. Something that sits on a PowerPoint. It's a real hardcore 5G product. This is, again, not one of those hotspot devices that we've seen in the past. Now, when Telstra is talking about doing this, um, here is their, their initial offering. 500 gigs of downloads, which to me is the same as what I'm actually getting on the NBN. I'm paying for a 500 gig plan and it's enough. And I stream everything. I have no discs in my home. Um, and they're doing it for $85. Now, I pay $79 for my fiber to the premise NBN or 100 meg. So I pay $79 for 100 meg and, and 500 gig. So we're seeing a pretty similar idea here, right? However, if you're actually in a proper Telstra 5G location where you can expect reasonable 5G um, strength, as in signal strength, and that's something that Telstra will qualify for you before you were to sign up, the expected speeds here are between 50 meg and 300 megabits per second. Now, the 50 megabits is definitely on the low end and hopefully something you wouldn't be getting if you're paying that $85 a month. However, up to 300 meg, that starts to really change the game here because um, I'm paying for 100. Again, I'm paying for 100. I, I get pretty close to it. I get in the 90s very much all day, any day. But to, to exceed that and get up to 300 is incredible, especially over something that is wireless and something you're paying $85 a month for. I know that I can upgrade my internet speeds. I know I can even go to gigabit if I really needed to, but I don't feel the need to do it. As long as I'm getting around that 90, I'm really happy. Everything downloads super quick. It's super impressive. But if Telstra is going to be able to give people for $85 a month up to 300 megabits per second, that's, that's a real solution that people can get and be comfortable in not worrying about the NBN. It's a genuine solution to people's homes. And I would love to test this and understand how much that speed does fluctuate. I'd love to also understand if my whole street was to sign up to this plan, how much of an impact would that have? Given that already my whole street is on the NBN, for example, and I know that I'm still able to achieve 90 megabits minimum um, in peak times. So that tells me an idea about what congestion's like on the NBN. But how will it perform on 5G? If we all decided to jump on it, how will that go? And I think congestion's always been my concern with 5G which is why I always tell people, if you can get the NBN, get it. Just get it. But if you're not happy with the NBN, maybe you've got that bad version that people talk about, or maybe you just don't have it where you are and you're still on ADSL. This is a serious alternative. Check the coverage maps. Um, Telstra is saying that they're supported in over a thousand suburbs across the country. Um, so it takes, takes a few seconds. Go onto the Telstra website, type in your address and see what's available. Do the same thing with Optus and compare because you have to expect Telstra is purposely playing in places where the NBN isn't so good because it's a pretty good offering to add on top. And they're also potentially looking at where Optus isn't. And if Optus has 5G in one street, pretty good chance that Telstra is avoiding that street because they know that why would they want to compete with that when they can probably go next suburb over and get 100% of the customers there. 
Interesting way of looking at it, type your address into the both websites, see what's available. You may be able to get speeds that are far beyond what you currently receive on whatever internet plan you're on. And when you think about the cost, it's pretty impressive if the connection is strong. And that's something that they'll qualify for you before you sign up. Check it out. Go to, go to the Telstra website. Do it today. Do it today and just check it, uh, especially if you're not happy with your internet, because you know, as much as people don't want to say it, 5G is a potential alternative to the internet. All right. Now, Google held their event. They held their event where they spoke about everything and anything that they could. And there's a number of things that are going to excite people here. Let's start with their smartphones because it's an easy one to talk about. People understand smartphones. We're going to make this simple. Um, there is two new devices available from Google over the next couple of weeks. One is the Pixel 4a with 5G. So in the past, there was a Pixel 4a announced not that long ago. Now they've got a 5G version of that. If 5G is something that interests you, um, and in my opinion, a device that you're buying this year, if you're willing to spend the money, should be a 5G device because you're going to keep that phone for likely three years, if not more, which is when 5G will become so much more abundant that if you don't have a 5G phone, you wish you would or had one. The, five, the, the 4A 5G has a bigger battery than the 4A, naturally because it needs to power that extra antenna. It has a base storage of 128 gig, which I think is at least a standard today. Um, it still appalls me that brands like Apple sell a 64 gig version of their phone, and I understand that it does reduce cost. But when you don't have expandable memory, it's a real shame. And when the cameras are able to take such high resolution photos and videos, it's a real shame that you don't have that extra storage capacity available to you at the base level because you're going to fill it so damn quick. And it's good to see at least the 4A with 5G has 128 gigs of storage. And mind you, I should also mention the 4A without 5G still has 128 gigs of storage as standard. Okay. So let's just put that out there. Uh -huh. The other thing on the 4A with 5G, um, I hate the naming because it makes it takes so long to say it. It's actually got a 6.2 inch display, which is bigger than the normal 4A, which is at 5.8. So if you do want a bigger screen, you're going to get that plus the 5G antenna. Um, it's also got an extra camera on the back, which is a um, dual pixel camera, which is going to produce apparently amazing night shots, as well as this ultra wide camera um, to get those wide angle shots as well. There isn't three cameras. The third is normally that telephoto or that um, you know five times type zoom on the phone itself. It's interesting that Google has chosen to go with an ultra wide sensor as their second instead of a telephoto. And if you ask me, would I rather have an optical zoom on top of a wide angle? I'm going to pick the wide angle, actually. And I think that this is something that Google maybe got some sort of feedback from consumers. I prefer to be able to capture more width in my photos than more depth. The reason being, I tend to be taking more photos of objects close up or I'm standing too close to something that I, I can't afford to step back. So the wide angle helps. I don't find often that I need to zoom. and with the amount of pixels that are in a photo these days, if I need to zoom, I just crop. And it does a reasonable job up to a certain point, obviously. Um, and it's just something I think that Google's been considering. And obviously, it's nice to have the best of both worlds, but it's just fascinating to me that Google has gone, if we're going to have two, two lenses on the back, what do, they, what do we want them to be? And they've gone with a dual pixel to be able to create extremely low light, great low light photography, 
plus a wide angle. Now on the 4A with 5G, um, it actually still maintains the headphone jack. And I know that for some people that's a really important thing still. Um, so the 4A with 5G still has the headphone jack. Now moving on from that, I actually should say before I move on, it's going to sell for $799. So not a terribly expensive phone considering its specifications. Um, it's quite nice. The disadvantages of the 4A with 5G straight up is it's not water resistant, which leading up to the summer, the pool, the beach, spilled drinks, that kind of stuff, that'll be a no-no on the 4A with 5G, as well as the 4A. It also doesn't have wireless charging, which to me seems mad for a device at $7.99 to not have wireless charging. I mean, that's all I do. That's literally all I do. Um, I couldn't care less if there wasn't even a charging port on phones anymore. I put the phone on a pad next to my bed, and when I'm at my desk, it sits on another pad and it charges. So bizarre, bizarre. Um, but anyway, I guess you have to cut something out because when you look at the Pixel 5, this is the flagship of the Google Pixel range, um, a bigger battery, the same processor. Um, it actually has eight gigs of RAM instead of six, same base storage. It has a slightly smaller screen, um, but same cameras, same camera features in terms of ultra wide portrait and stuff like that. It drops the audio jack. So you don't have the headphone jack. You've got USB-C and the speakers on board, um, but it does have water resistance and wireless charging built in. It also has reverse wireless charging, which I guess they got the idea from Samsung or Huawei who have done it in the past, but it's good that they've done it because Google have their Pixel Buds, which are fantastic little headphones. You could charge them with the Pixel 5. You could also charge other phones with the Pixel 5 as well. Um, reverse wireless charging is an amazing feature. If you have a friend who is willing to give up their own battery and reverse wireless charge your phone when you're in need, that's as good as giving blood. And I think it's a nice gesture when someone says, I'm willing to reverse wireless charge you. And do you accept this charge? And you put your phone on their phone, they sit together and they suck battery from one another. It's, it's romantic. Now, the 5, uh, the Pixel 5, is going to cost you $1 shy of $1,000 in Australia. And that is great news. We've been talking for so long about smartphones, flagship smartphones, at $1,200, at two grand, at $3,000. It's amazing and it's fantastic to see the Pixel 5 coming in, even if it is a dollar shy of a grand, it's not four figures. It's now a three-figure smartphone. I'm dying. I'm biting at the bit to get my hands on one of these because I'm seriously, I'm seriously thinking about making the jump. Been an iPhone guy for a long time. I'm thinking about making the jump. There's not much that I don't, that I can't have inside um, Android anymore. There's, there's nothing that I feel like I'm missing if I make the switch. Um, and the device is beautiful. It looks great. It has all the features that I need. The camera is one of the most important things. I have a, I have a son who, you know, if you have a crap camera, you have crap memories later on, that kind of thing. So this just seems like the right device. And I'm, I'm waiting to get my hands on this one. And I will. And I'll be telling you all about it. Um, one of the great things about this, and I'll, I'll be honest, is I've, I've been hearing about these products from Google um, for the past week. I have briefings with them. Um, I have product which I'm about to talk about in some capacity um, now. 
and uh, it's just it's just nice. It's nice when a brand cares enough to reach out to you and have a conversation. Now, let's talk about the other things they announced because to me, the phones are great. They're exciting. But the most exciting things for me, guys, are these two things. First of all, Nest Audio. Now, we've seen Google speakers for a long time. They were one of the first. This is the first real replacement to that Google Home product that sat around people's homes. It had that little white top and it had these colored lights that would light up and spin around when you spoke to them. Now it looks like a pretty sexy fabric coated speaker. i am be honest here, it looks like a bit of a swing at Sonos. Um, the Nest Audio, 150 bucks. First of all, you're undercutting by half. So the Sonos One, $300 speaker. Um, the Nest Audio, 150 bucks. It's just a speaker. There's no display. There's only four indicator lights on the device, and there's a switch on the back to um, turn off the microphones so it doesn't listen to you. They're saying it's 75% louder than the original Google Home with 50% stronger bass. They've tuned the speakers in it. It's got a proper tweeter and a little mid-range type sub in the device as well. It's not very tall. Let me just turn around. It's about the size of a Sonos One. It's pretty much the height of a Sonos One, but it has a bit of a skinnier profile. It's more of a um, rectangular prism than a, than a box. It's, guys, I can't tell you about how it sounds, um, but at 150 bucks, I think they're really taking a swing here. Obviously, everything you expect from talking to the speaker, there's not much more to say about it than that it, at this point. It's a Google Assistant built in. It's perfect for a bedroom, I think, that you can walk into a bedroom, ask the usual questions about the weather, to play a certain song, whatever it is. Um, and it will also, interestingly, it adjusts the volume based on background noise. So I don't know if you have a wind, a lot of wind coming through the home, um, which is creating ambient noise, the speakers will adjust to give you that extra volume. So you're not losing the music in that sound. Um, or if it's just a noisy room, it will actually bring the volume up a little bit. So you still hear music during a party, not just too much chatter. Fascinating stuff. But Guys, the biggest one, the biggest announcement from Google for me is the Chromecast. The, the new Chromecast is something totally different. And I'm going to take a, take a breath because I really want to get stuck into this. Crikey, that's a good wine. Now, if you have a television that has smart features, as you'd expect, it's got your apps and stuff like that. You may find that it's not receiving updates, whatever it is. You may find that you've got a TV that you love, but it really isn't a smart TV. It doesn't really have those apps. And for a long time, you've had the option of getting a Chromecast or an Apple TV. And you'll get a Chromecast for somebody who's pretty savvy, who's happy to open their smartphone and flick content to their TV because that's all that the Chromecast could do was receive content sent to it from a device. Or if they weren't so savvy, you'll give them an Apple TV and they have a remote, they have a proper UI that they can play with on the TV to watch content. The new Google Chromecast is going to cost you a hundred bucks. Sorry, $99. You save a buck. So for $99, you are going to be able to receive a product that looks just like the Chromecast used to, a very small cylindrical product that will plug into your HDMI port. You could hide it behind the TV and never see it again. It charges or it receives power via USB-C. Um, I need to confirm whether it can still be powered by the USB ports on the TV like, it, like they used to. Um, I haven't seen a, a word on that one yet, but I'm going to find out. 
but they've made some pretty significant changes here, guys. First and foremost, it has a remote. With the biggest disadvantage it had in the past was you needed to use your smartphone to make this thing work. With a remote, you can now turn it on, control the volume, control a menu system. And you just heard me say menu system, which leads to the biggest change to the Chromecast. In the past, when you would turn the TV on and flick to the Chromecast um, port, whatever HDMI you had it plugged into, you would see artwork or you would see photos. Maybe your photos would scroll through on the television. You would then need to use your phone to flick content, as I've said a hundred times. Now you will have a user interface that you can scroll through Stan, Netflix, YouTube, Disney Plus, Amazon Prime, you name it. It's all on the screen now. The remote will help you navigate through that display. All of the apps that you're, that you're sorting through on here are also integrated into the Google Assistant. And what I mean by that is that no longer do you need to jump in one app to another, to another, to another, to find that movie or that TV show that somebody told you about. No longer do you need to look at the action films in every single app to find one you want to watch. With Google Assistant and with this UI, you'll be able to see genres regardless of the app on the home screen. So if you want to watch an action film, you can either ask Google to show you all the action films or you better see it in a menu on the screen. If you want to see movies that feature Mel Gibson, why did I say Mel Gibson? But if you do, then you can ask Google Assistant to show you all the films with Mel Gibson in it. Or maybe you're planning a trip to Italy and you want to see a movie that was filmed in Italy and you can ask to do that too. And it will also display those for you immediately. This is, for me, the biggest news of the day. And I say that because at $99, I don't know who shouldn't buy one. I don't care if you've got a brand new LG TV. This product rocks. It absolutely rocks. And it's going to be under every Christmas tree this year. If I ever get a phone call to do a Christmas gift guide on radio, TV, anywhere in the world, um, I'll be talking about this product. At $99, you're mad if you don't just go get one. Um, my TV in the bedroom is not a smart TV. It's where I've had a Chromecast for since the beginning. and this is about to be replaced with this one. I have a Samsung TV in the living room that, yeah, it has all the smart features, but I know that I'm about to plug one of these new Google Chromecasts into it as well. So I might be up for about two or three of these, um, and I actually will be recommending to people to go buy them. The other thing I have to touch on as well is that it still carries all the latest standards as well. So even though it's a Chromecast, such a small little device, where are the brains in this little thing? How does it even work? It still has Dolby Atmos. It still supports Dolby Vision. So if you do have an amazing TV, an amazing soundbar, you're not going to miss out on anything by adding a Chromecast to it. As you may have heard when I spoke about soundbars a fair few episodes ago now, um, if you didn't have the right input device, the soundbar couldn't perform at its fullest potential. With the Chromecast, it can. The biggest question here will come back to Apple. Their Apple TV now is going to be behind the eight ball on price. The other thing worth mentioning here is that the Chromecast UI, I've met, been talking a lot about media and consuming content. However, the Google Play Store exists on this device as well. So are we going to start seeing an influx of fitness apps where you can do home workouts on this TV? Are we going to start seeing brands like Samsung jumping on this opportunity 
and adding extensions to their watch, to their phone on the Chromecast with Google TV. This is probably going to be what I think the biggest change point for a lot of products around it. And I'm very fascinated to see where this goes. Now, I'll say it again. The Google Assistant, I don't know if I mentioned it clearly enough, is built into the remote. So when you're holding the remote, you can either just say, hey, Google, or you can actually push the button on the remote to start talking. There's a microphone also built into the remote. The other thing that's interesting is that the remote has a power button. That power button is so that you can actually turn your TV on as well. So we're about to see integration where Google wants you to just use this device. They want you to put your TV remote away. They want you to just turn the Google TV on. Yes, whatever TV you've got turns on, but then hopefully you watch content, whether it's catch-up TV, whether it's YouTube TV, whatever it is, it will all be there. 99 bucks available in a couple of weeks. Um, I have another briefing call. I think I can, I, I, I tell you guys a lot and I worry sometimes if, I'm, if I've signed something or wasn't meant to say something. I've got another briefing call tomorrow to talk about some of these other products. And um, I can't tell you exactly how good they are or how bad they are uh, yet, but I can tell you that I'm the most excited about the Chromecast with Google TV at 99 bucks. If you haven't got this on your Christmas list, you're mad. Uh, do check it out. Head to, head to Google, I guess, and Google the Chromecast with Google TV and you'll find out all about it. It's a, it's a weapon. All right, now look, we've talked about robotic mowers, internal surveillance drones, phones, TVs, home entertainment, the whole thing. Um, we are going to leave the show there, though, ladies and gentlemen. I, I have some other things coming up, um, and I'll, I'll be honest. There is the interview shows that you also get to enjoy. Uh, Samsung this week was, was fascinating, and I'm noticing you guys obviously liked it because the listening numbers are through the roof on that Samsung episode. Um, next week, we've got an interview with Spotify. We're going to be talking about podcasting through Spotify. They've done some exclusive deals, obviously. My friend Joe Rogan is now exclusive on Spotify or will be from December. Uh, we spoke to them. I also, I'm lining up an interview with HMD, the guys behind the Nokia resurrection and how they're doing. And the interview series is about to receive sponsorship or, um, at the opening. So I talk about Navman on this show. I'm about to start talking about Boost Mobile in the beginning of the interview shows. And it's amazing to have Boost on board. Um, obviously, we recently interviewed uh, Peter Adderton from Boost. Uh, and it was really out of that interview that I just fell in love with the way the brand thinks, what they mean for their customers. And when you look into the services that they offer and the customer satisfaction scores, it's clear that it's working. And as a result, it was, it's one of those things that I was more than happy to partner with them and talk about them at the opening of my interview series. And you'll continue to hear about them as well. The second thing that I'm doing with Boost and something I've been thinking about for a long time is how I can connect with you, how I can connect with you guys more. And I often tell you, reach out to me on Twitter, Instagram, email, whatever you like. Um, I'm going to make it a bit easier. I'm going to give you a phone number. And next week on the show, I should be able to give you my mobile number. And, um, and I'm going to let you guys text, text me. Um, I'm not good with phone calls. I'm just, I just rarely have time for a phone call. Ask any person in PR, ask my manager. I just not very good with phone calls. I'm hard to get hold of sometimes. Uh, but I'm going to let you guys text me as much and as often as you like. We're going to talk about your questions. I want to take your questions via text and we're going to answer them on this show uh, every week. Maybe do one question, maybe do two questions, depending on how much time it takes. 
So you're going to hear on this show news, reviews, and your questions answered. And that part will be brought to you by Boost. And I'm super excited uh, to have Boost on board as a supporter. Um, I mean, I, I, when you believe in a company, it's easy to speak about a company. And uh, when, when I have this opportunity to partner with them, we're doing this short term. We're going to see how it goes. Um, I'm very excited. I'm excited to be able to give you guys a phone number to text me on and bring your questions, bring your feedback. It'll be as easy as sending an SMS. I mean, that's just the best. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. Uh, this show is for you. And honestly, keep the feedback coming because uh, the show evolves, it changes, it's, it goes in different directions. And it's usually because of your feedback. And, uh, and I really appreciate you guys listening, putting up with me, hopefully pouring yourself a, a glass of wine or having a beer while you're tuning in. Lately, for me, it's been watering the garden and listening to podcasts. That's when I've been catching up on podcasts. It used to be when I was driving to work. And since we're all working from home, Watering the garden in the afternoon gives me a chance to catch up on podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Technology Uncorked. Thank you again for your support. We'll speak to you again next week on Tuesday with an interview with Spotify. Bye-bye.